Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Good morning, Trinity Community Church. How are you today? How many of you know that the words of Jesus are pretty important? Think about this. If you were getting ready to leave, I mean, I just think this is absolutely nuts. Jesus is Jesus. Hello. He changes the whole world. And in his plan, he's at some point getting ready to leave and to hand it to us. Now, if you were going to hand something off, by the way, I don't think that's a great plan, by the way. I've seen me. I know what I am. I know what you are. But his last words as he's leaving, how many of you know those last words are pretty darn important? Go. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That is our charge. That's what God asked us to do. And what's funny is this. Sometimes we we take those things that Jesus says and we kind of mess with them and massage them and we make them more palatable and we make them fit our agendas rather than us just adopting his agenda. Do you know what the Greek word for for go means? Go. (laughs) Shocking. I think God meant what he said. So I'm excited. Uh, This is Vision Weekend. Um, It's one of the times of the year that we get a chance to really talk about who we are as a church, what's important to us, and the direction that we're going. Um, So hopefully today, some of you that have joined us over the last three months, by the way, let me make a clarification for the Discovery Dinner. You guys did a great job. It's not open for everybody. If you've been to the church over the last three months, uh, because we can't get everybody here at the well We'd love to have you all there, but we can't do that. So if you've been here over the last three months, come check us out at the Discovery Dinner. You get to know more about us. Um, This is an opportunity for us to all get on the same page and for you to hear our heartbeat. I remember a few years ago, um, my brother, he got married a little bit older in life, and him and his wife had a destination wedding. How many have ever been to a destination wedding? Those are awesome. I think maybe I would have rather done that than doing the local wedding with the 400 crazy Greeks that were part of our wedding, dancing. And the, the food was great, but it was a little exhausting. So we, we all flew down to St. Lucia, and it was an all-inclusive resort. And the way it works is this. They, they kind of are in cahoots with, with people, you know, the, the, the resorts. You've got to be on the island for three days before you can get married. Do you know that? I don't know if you know that or not. You can't just show up, get married, and get on a plane and leave. So we get down there, and we're killing time. And it's, it's a cool place. Uh, it's all you can eat all time, all, all, all day, every day, anything you can imagine. That speaks to my Greek heart. It makes me happy. And then you could do all kinds of other things. You could... Uh, Learn how, you could jet ski, you could snorkel, uh, you could do all kinds of other activities. And one of the activities I always wanted to do was I wanted to learn how to sail. So they had these sailing classes. You could take out these little hobies and you can go into the ocean and they teach you how to sail. And, 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 and I was excited about that. I wanted to be one of those guys out there, no motor, wind in my hair, just zipping around. And, you know, that's a great idea to you think about jaws and stuff. But then I'd get that out of my head. So I go, I sign up for the class and the guy that teaches me how to sail, his name is Jimmy. Now, I knew Jimmy because Jimmy was not just the sail instructor. He was also the guy that, that, would, that would release the jet skis. He also, every once in a while, would work in some of the restaurants. He, like, did everything. But at this day, Jimmy was also the sailing uh, coordinator. So I went out with Jimmy. He gave me about a 20-minute class on how to take a vessel out into the ocean. And we get out there, and Jimmy goes out. We run around a little bit, and he goes, okay, now you know what you're doing, TJ. You know what you're doing. I said, Jimmy, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I've only been out here for 20 minutes. He said, TJ, look at me. He says, tell me, say, say, I'm the captain. I look at him and say, Jimmy, I'm the captain. Say it again, I'm the captain. He goes, Jimmy goes, TJ, you're the captain. I'm like, Jimmy, I don't feel like the captain. So we came in, 
And he goes, hey, we're going to try this out. He goes, tell your wife to get in here. You can take her out in a little circle. You bring her back. You can do this. I'm Jimmy, I don't think I can do this. He says, TJ, tell me what you are. He goes, I'm the captain, Jimmy. So, so Robin gets on, and we go out into our little harbor. And to my surprise, I'm fantastic. I mean, phenomenal. It's like I've been sailing for years. I know how to pull all the cords and how to do the rudder stuff. It's absolutely amazing. We're moving fast. Even Robin is impressed, which is not easy sometimes. How many of you know the longer you're married, the harder it is to impress your viewers' spouse, right? So we get out there, and I, I, and I know all the stuff. We're getting ready to turn. When you turn, you're on one side, and the person's got to go on the other side. You turn, and it's great. And, and, and I'm, I'm so excited with my new sailing prowess. I'm getting a little, um, a little, a little overconfident. So I go in there, and my dad's walking down on the beach. Now, my dad is a non-pleasable Greek man. And I thought to myself, that's him right there. You could see where I got my love of ice cream from, my father at, at a young age. And I said, Dad, I said, why don't you come sail with me? I said, I just learned how to sail. He goes, I'm not getting in a boat with you. I said, Dad, trust me, I've been trained by Jimmy. So, so reluctantly, he gets on the Hobie, and we go out into this, in this it's, we're talking about it's the ocean. I mean, it's out there, it's, it's out, there's big boats and everything, it's blue, it's beautiful. And we're cruising along, and I'm getting ready to turn us back. I said, Dad, now I need you to go on the other side of the other pontoon so I could turn this Hobie. And he looks at me, he goes, Why? I thought to myself, I don't know why Jimmy didn't tell me. I just, he just said, I have to do this. And I said, Dad, you just have to go over there. I don't know why. He goes, well, I don't want to. I said, but Dad, I can't turn it. He will just, you have to tell me why. I said, Dad, I, I don't know. He goes, well, what if I just stay here? I said, I guess we're going to Cuba. I don't know. I can't turn the Hobie unless you move over. So we're out there fighting and bickering. And at that point, I'm praying for the sharks to show up. So I can just, right off, the, we lost Dad. I don't know what happened. So eventually, my dad reluctantly goes to the other side. I turn the boat. I beach it. I don't even help him out of the boat. I get Robin and said, let's go get pizza. Crazy. And I realized that day. How many of you know the why is important? How many things do you do in your life and you don't understand the why? How many of you know that it's easier to buy in and to do things when you know why you're doing it? Think of all the time, all the years you've spent in church and you don't know the why. Think about that. Have you ever thought about the church? What a strange group of people we are. Look around. I mean, you're good looking, don't get me wrong. But we're diverse and we're, we're odd and we're strange. I think, beloved, one of the biggest reasons our churches fail and they're stagnant is because we have forgotten the why. We have made church more about what we want rather than why God designed it. How many of you know that this is his church, not our church? He said upon this rock he would build his church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. This is what we know then. We know that if God builds a church, the gates of hell lose. They do. The church is made to be in victory. Well, how, why, why are we off course sometimes? Because I think sometimes we forget the why. Sometimes we do so, things for so long, we've forgotten why we've done it. So we know the why. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The why is we exist because Jesus loved us so much, he came so that we could be with him again. So then what does the mechanism, what does the charge of the church looks like? What do we base all this around as, as, as our church, Trinity Community Church, and every church in existence? We should all have you know, the same marching orders. We have the same mandate. That mandate were the last words that Jesus spoke to us before he left. If you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew 28, 18. 
By the way, for those of you that have our app, we're having some issues with the app. So if you don't get all of the notes, go to version. You can get them from there. These are the last words of Jesus before he left. This is when he gave us the keys to the family business. Yikes. He said this in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. A powerful, concentrated, missional verse for us. In this passage, it's clear that the church was never designed to be a stationary institution. We were never designed to just be in a hole somewhere and to just hunker down. Now understand this. I understand persecution and I understand that there are places in the world where persecution is and the church is hiding. But don't, please don't mistake a church that is hidden from persecution to be in a church that is ineffective or silent. Tertullian said this, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. We understand that even underground the church is effective. But here in America, beloved, we are not underground. We are cities on a hill. That's what we are. We shine. So this passage shows us that this church, our church was not supposed to be an institution. It was designed to be a movement, a cause, an organic body with a specific purpose. To be conduits of the kingdom. and To share God's love, power, and presence to every living, breathing soul on the planet. That's why you suck air. That's why the church exists. You know why some of you are bored with your faith? You forgot the why. We all forget the why every once in a while. We've settled for something else, a different type of church, a different type of gospel. Don't settle. Get plugged into the why. So at Trinity, the reason we posture ourselves the way that we do is because of the Great Commission. Now, when you look at the Great Commission, there's two main thoughts that are, that are held there that almost seem like they're opposed, but they're really not. The first is this. From the Great Commission, this is what we do at Trinity Community Church. The first is this. We pursue God's presence. Why are we so passionate about pursuing God's presence? Well, Jesus told us at the end of the Great Commission I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Why did he tell the disciples that? Why does he tell us that? You know why he tells us that? Because we cannot accomplish his mission without his presence. If you try to do it without his presence, you're going to fail. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be ineffective. His presence is everything. I am with you always. What does the enemy always try to do? He always tries to tell you, you're alone. Nobody loves you. God doesn't care. Where is your God? Know that God is with us. So the first thing we do as a church is we pursue God's presence. Everything we are, everything we do flows from his presence. Why? God's presence transforms us and empowers us to be like Jesus, not just in our words, but in our actions. We are a greater than church. Greater things will you do. That's not just what we say. It's how we love it's the miraculous. Jesus did it, the rabbi. As disciples, we do it too. It's all through his presence. His presence changes everything. The Holy Spirit in us changes everything individually for us, and the Holy Spirit is also the rudder for Trinity Community Church. I remember when we first got here four years ago, 
I love the interview process. How many of you hate interviews? It's like, you know, and why did you, why is your dog named, you know, Fluffy? I don't know. My wife liked the name. And you go through all this stuff. I remember four years ago when we were talking in the interview process, being very clear. You need to understand that we are a presence-compelled people. We love the Holy Spirit. We're Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 model church, and we go get it. And everybody's like, yeah, that's what we want. That's great. We got here, and we grew through the power of the Holy Spirit in that first couple months from about 150 to 110 people because we had different ideas on who the Holy Spirit was. The Holy Spirit is not like, you know, the drummer of the Beatles before they got Ringo. He's active, and he's very important. The Holy Spirit changes everything. The pursuit of God's presence affects everything for us here at Trinity Community Church. It affects the way that we worship. It affects the way that we pray. It affects the way that we operate. His presence even affects the way that we love. Churches that are void of the Holy Spirit become cold, hard institutions. They lose their heart. They lose their warmth. That is not the church. That is not Trinity Community Church. His presence changes everything. I remember we were in Wisconsin, and God had been doing some incredible things. And you could feel his tangible presence every time you walked into the building. And I remember it was a Saturday, and we were doing some type of leadership summit or something like that. And we ordered Panera, because God works through Panera. He just does. (laughs) And and the lady, the delivery lady came in, and she had her bags and stuff like that. We had an old grocery store, so the doors were automatic, which was very convenient, but it was like, you know, the A&P. And this lady walks in with two bags loaded. She gets halfway into our lobby. She drops the bags. She drops to her knees, and she goes, oh, my God. She goes, I feel something. And one of our elders came up to her and he says, he says, sweetie, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And she started to weep. She said, I need him. God's presence. How many of you remember God's presence when you first believed? He changed your heart. Changed everything. Your first love. Don't forget how that feels. His presence. Don't let your Christianity move beyond his presence. We grow. We get fuller. We get bigger. But don't forget your first love, beloved. Are you with me? That's the first thought from the Great Commission. The second thought we have that we need to keep in mind when we look at these words of Jesus is this. We're also passionate about the lost. We pursue God's presence, and we're passionate about the lost. Why? Lost people matter to God, so they matter to us. Jesus weeps over lost people. Lost people move his heart. One of the most impactful scriptures to me, I remember reading growing up as a kid. Jesus was out just doing his own thing. And the Bible says, as he came down off the hill, he was praying. He saw the people and he said, he looked at them and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. His compassion for them moved him. The lostness of who they were moved him. Lost people matter to God, so they matter to us. The gospel was never meant to be this hidden religious thing that's just in institutions. The gospel was always meant to be shared. And as believers, we have always been called to go. Always. Always. Have you ever thought about the church? We're so strange. Most of the time as churches, we prepare, we get knowledge, we get training over and over and over about our faith so that we can do nothing with it. 
This is not a self-help organization. Now, don't get me wrong. We benefit from things. But it's not all about you. God saves us and he prepares us for a purpose. This is why for us at Trinity, we're in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 model church. It's my job to equip you to do the work of ministry, to prepare you, to help so you can share your faith, so you can hear God's voice, so you can flow in the power of the Holy Spirit. The goal is that the miracles don't come from the stage. The miracles come from the Lord flowing through you. At your school, at your work, in your neighborhood. This is one of the reasons why Family Fest, we're not up on the stage screaming at people. You know what we do? We release 250 volunteers to be fully supernatural. Share your faith. Pray for the sick. Prophesy. Be like Jesus. That's what we're called to do. You and I are carriers of the kingdom. We have the mantle of Jesus. We seek and we save the lost. We go. This is why we support missions. Dr. Dan just got back from India. Supported him over in India. We love him. Love what missions does. Brother Lazarus, support you know, what God is doing in, 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 in Iran. It's incredible. We support missions all over the world. Not only do we do that, but we also seek to create go opportunities here for us as a church. This Easter season... Easter, again, is the highest attended church day of the year. How many in this room, how many of you know that Jesus is risen? You know it, right? So what do we do on normal Easters? We just say, Jesus is risen, yay! The Greeks, we say, Christos Anesti. And if you're a good Greek, or maybe an Armenian, you say, Alephos Anesti, which means he is risen indeed. We know it. You know who doesn't know it? The third of the people that will be here on Easter Sunday that come twice a year. So what do we do for Easter season? We create go opportunities. We drop the nets because the harvest is white. And Jesus said, pray that laborers would go. You know what? When you go, you're an answer to prayer. So through Easter season, we have our community candy crush. You go out there, you get a bag of candy. This is super intense. Stay with me. You grab a bag of candy, you pray over it, you say, Lord, who do I give this to? You give that candy bag to your neighbor, you invite them to the Easter egg hunt, to the way, and to the church, you pray over it, and then next week, you do it again. You should never go to somebody's house without a gift. That's the good Greek in me. Candy, cookie, something. And then we also have our way, what is, or the egg hunt. Right now, we already have 1,000 people already registered for the egg hunt. Registration has been open less, about a week and a half. It's a way that we can love our community extravagantly. On these grounds, we're going to have about 5,000 people here. Between us and New City, it'll probably be about 5,500 people. We need your help. Sign up out there. Sign up to, to, to do a carnival booth. Sign up to, to, to help to, to give out candy. To, have you seen the Acon? How many of you have ever seen the movie Braveheart? <laughs> I pity. One time, Dawson was up there with like the little kids. He said, the kids are fine. It's, those, it's the parents of preschoolers you've got to worry about. Some of them bite. I mean, they're rough. It's a great opportunity to love our community, and it's absolutely free. People come in every year. They look for loopholes. What's a loophole here? There's no loophole. We love you. Jesus loved you. We love you. There's games. There's all kinds of stuff. We need prizes. Bring bikes. Bring scooters. We want to give that stuff away. New stuff. We need eggs. We need chocolate. We need candy. Bring all that stuff. And then on that Good Friday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, we have a little thing called The Way. How many of you have been a part of The Way? You've gone through The Way. It's a moving experience. You'll cry. It's an interactive journey of the last hours of Jesus' life. And then, baby, 
Easter weekend we have. Last year we had three services. This year, because of all the people, we're expecting about 2,000 people on Easter. We're having four services, two Saturday and two Sunday. Saturday at 4 and 6 and Sunday at 9 and 11. Why do we do these things? Just so we can get big numbers? No. You know why we do these things? Jesus said to go. This is our mission. The only thing that you and I can take with us into eternity is people. So go. Some of you have a boring faith. You know why? It's all about you. Step out of yourself and go. Now, we need your help. This is what we need for you. First is this. Pray. Pray that God would do amazing things. We have a prayer furnace extreme coming up in March. It's going to be in three weeks. You'll start seeing the sign-up sheets. That's when we pray 24 hours a day in this house for these events. Come and pray. Pray that God would do amazing things. Two, get involved. Sign up for something. Do something. Anything. I think last year we had 250 volunteers that helped us do the ACON. Come, you could be at this site, you could be at the New City site. The last thing is this, we need your financial support. The budget to do all of these things, we're expecting to reach through Easter 10,000 people in our community through all these things. The budget's $15,000. So we ask this, if every family giving unit at Trinity would give $100, that's it, over the next two, this two months up to when Easter is, it would be fully funded. The site here and then also at, at New City. So give. Pray that God, some of you can give more than $100. Give more. Some of you can't give $100. Pray that God would give you increase so you can give more. And let's get it done. My heart is that we'd be able to do this and it'd be free for our community. This is a go opportunity. And this keeps us in step with the Great Commission. This is why we do what we do. Lost people matter to God, so they matter to us. And here's the reality of it. We never know the impact we're going to make on people. You never know who's going to show up, and you never know how they're going to change the world. Let me introduce you to somebody. This is my, my good friend, uh, Randy Penn. I met Randy in Inglewood, Colorado. Randy was a, uh, a football coach, the preeminent football coach of Inglewood High School. He had taken the football team to, he had coached 27 years, and they'd gone to the playoffs 26 out of 27 years. I was a uh, defensive assistant for him. And we just started to have a friendship. He was the gruff high school college or high school gym teacher coach. Every fourth word was a cuss word. It was crazy. Everybody loved him. He had a love for the city, but he was just that kind of like that guy. And we, we started to create a friendship. He was very passionate about his city. And this incredible thing happened. Our church started to rise while he and I started to, uh, get, to get together. We started to grow. And, and we were very community focused. And he'd always ask me, why do you do all the stuff you do for your community? We, we had a food bank. The last year, the food bank we had there at Mosaic, we fed 60,000 people. I remember the first festival that we did there, we did a, a family fest in the fall, and we had about 1,500 people. This was about a block from his house. He came down, he's like, I, well, where, he was used to the Catholic way to doing it. Where's, where's the beer tent? Where's the money? Because this is a money thing. I said, this is not a money thing. This is free. This is just to love the community. And he'd always ask me, why do you do these things for the com community? And I said, Randy, we do it because we just love, we, God told us to love people. We love people. And he said, what's in it for you? I said, we get to love our community. So one, one day I was, I was doing my series, and I was, it was a, a part of my series where I was talking about legacy. And, and I, I prayed, and I felt the Holy Spirit dropped a little thought in my head. So I invited Randy. I said, Randy, I'd like you to do a five- to seven-minute window in my talk about legacy. And he goes, be coming to church. He talked like that. He goes, if I walk into church, it'll burst into flames. And I thought, it's an old church. Do us a favor. That would be great. 
I said, you know what? I said, they're going to name the stadium after you when you die. And he did, he did die, and they did name the stadium after him. My good friend. Oh, geez. And I said, Randy, I said, here's the only rule. Don't cuss. If you don't cuss, that would be really great. So he showed up. His whole family was there. And he did a beautiful job about legacy. At the end, I said, man, thank you so much. You blessed us as a church. And the weird thing was, the next week, you get ready to go to church, and there, standing at the front doors, is Randy and his whole family again. I said, Randy, perhaps you misunderstood me. That was like a one-shot deal. You're not the preacher. I'm the preacher. He said, no, no. He said, it was so good last week. We thought maybe we'd try it and see if it's as good again. And then they came the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. And I had the privilege of leading Randy, 63 years old, to Christ. A lot of tears, a lot of transformation. My favorite memory with, with, with Randy was this. We were getting beat by our crosstown rival in a football game. He went in to give the pep talk at halftime. And as he's given the pep talk, he's censoring himself because he's transformed now. And he's like, you guys are playing like babies. And I'm just going to kick your tushes. And one of his former players came up to me afterwards. He says, I don't know what you did to Coach Penn. He said, but he's a different man. And this is nuts. He gives his heart to Christ. And then afterwards, he becomes the mayor of the city. Inglewood was formed as a, a gambling brothel town to Denver. And he took a town that was anti-gospel and opened every door because of the love of Jesus that poured in his heart. And we saw our council transformed. We saw our city transformed because Randy was transformed. Go opportunities. Don't be afraid to go and to share your faith. So at Trinity, we pursue God's presence. And at Trinity, we're passionate about the lost. Now with this in mind, how do we do this? How do we practically pull this off? Well, I can tell you this right now. A church that's not unified can't do this. People that aren't unified can't do this. So what you need to unify your values. So what unifies us as a church? What values do we hold dear at Trinity Community Church? We wrap our values, our road path to get this done, around three little words. And you've probably seen them everywhere. Love, grow, share. You may have seen them and have no idea what they mean. Love, grow, share. Three powerful little words. And I believe this. I believe that if we can get our head around these three little worlds or words, we can change the world. Love. We love God and people extravagantly. How many of you know that there's different types of love? There's bare minimum love and there's extravagant love. Two, we grow in our faith and we empower others to grow in theirs. We help people to grow. Third, we share our lives and our faith with others. Love, grow, share. These are the things that we value. These are the things that are important to us. And I believe these are the things that are going to unify us so that we can accomplish our mission. So let's talk about them. Love. We love God and people extravagantly. I don't know if you know this or not. Loving God is not an ordinary type of love. It's just not. Now, I don't know what you, what you were used to growing up in church. In the Greek Orthodox Church, we didn't talk a whole lot about the love of God. We talked about Kojak, and we talked about food. I'm just being real with you. It's just what we did, right? 
I don't know the type of church that you grew up in, but you know, loving God was in a different plane at the church that I grew up in. It was kind of akin to loving pizza. You know what I'm talking about? So what does loving God look like? Well, I'm grateful that God defined it for us. If you got your Bibles, turn to Mark real, real quick. Mark chapter 12. This is how Jesus defines how he wants to be loved. He said this in Mark 12, 30. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Everybody say equally. You know what equal means? The same. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Jesus' words, love me and love people, they're on the same plane. Let that sink in. How you treat people, how you love people is a big deal to God. Just as important as how you love him. Now this love, heart, soul, mind, strength, this is not a mamsy-pamsy type of love. This is an extravagant love. When it comes to loving God, you know what he requires from us? Our best, our all, every part of us. This should affect everything. How you love God should affect everything. The way you pray, the way you worship, the way that you function. That love is not about comfort. Our love for him is a pursuit where we give him everything. We follow him like a, a man in the desert longing for water. That's the type of love that we have. So we love him like that, and it, it shifts us and it changes us. It's the heartbeat for what we do. But that's not all. We also love people. Why? Jesus said to. The way you love people is a direct reflection on the real love in your heart for God. Do you know that? This is why you can't love God and hate people. Every person you see, even that jerk that disagrees with you on Facebook, is an image bearer. Made in God's image. Love them. Love them. John 13, 34 says this, and these are the words of Jesus. So I give you a new command. Love each other deeply and fully. Remember the ways that I have loved you and demonstrate your love for others in those same ways. Look at 35. Everyone will know you as my followers if you demonstrate your love to others. What shows people we're his is not our intellect. It's not our theology. It's not our beautiful buildings. It's not our, our sweet band. It's how we love. It's not even our miracles. It's how we love. Love is the key indicator that we belong to God. So when it comes to love for us at Trinity Community Church, we do not do the bare minimum. We go the extra mile. We do what it takes, baby. Now, hopefully, when you came into TCC, whenever you came in, you were inundated with love. It's hard to come through the doors and not be loved. How do we show practical love? You're greeted at the door. Have you seen our hospitality? Now, for those of you that want more healthy things, I did see a plate of dry carrots out there today. You're welcome. Right? Grab a carrot or 17, right? Extravagant love. The way we take time to be with each other. Even spending times at the altar is a time for us to experience love. Jesus, there's nothing more important going on right now than the person right in front of you. They are not an obstacle so you can get your stuff done. They've been divinely put in your path and they deserve your love. He trusts you enough to have you love them like that. So when you come to TCC, you'll be inundated with love. The second is this. We grow. 
We're committed to growing in our faith and helping others to grow in theirs. First and foremost, do you know who's responsible for your spiritual growth? Take your finger, point it at me. I'll point it back at your face. You are responsible for your spiritual growth. I cannot make you grow. I wish I could. If I could make you grow and get you all to heaven, I'd do it right now, but I can't. You have this beautiful gift called free will. Now, I can present things to you. I can, I can you know, give you a meal. We can create all these things at the church, but I can't make you partake of anything. It's up to you if you want to grow or not. It's up to you if you want to be a disciple. Do you know what the root word for disciple is? Discipline. Eh, pastor, I don't want discipline in the church. I get that all the time. I'm just telling you the way that it is. That means this. Part of your spiritual growth has an element of discipline. Spending time with God when you don't feel like it. Reading your word when you don't feel like it. Studying the word. Living out your faith when it's uncomfortable. Your faith was never designed to be comfortable. It was designed to be purposeful. That's how God built it. It's not about us. It's about him. It's always about him. Now, some of you are here and you're stuck. Because you're trying to make your faith just your faith, and you're leaving Jesus out of it. This is not an a la carte thing. You can't just go and it's like build a faith. It's not like build a bear. But sometimes our faith's like that. Well, have you heard that furtive guy? Woo! He's got big muscles. Woo! I'm an Olstein person. I'm this and that. I think Jesus talked about that, didn't he? Or Paul did. In your faith, there'll be discipline. Some of you are stuck today because... The only time you really press into your faith is when you come on Sundays or Saturday nights. Don't be that people. Take your faith seriously. Invite the Holy Spirit to shape you and to make you more like him. He is the element of transformation and growth. This is what Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says. Now that you've welcomed the anointed one, Jesus the Lord, into your lives, continue to journey with him and allow him to shape your lives. I love that. Let your roots grow uh, down deeply into him and let him build you up on a firm foundation. Be strong in the faith just as you were taught and always spill over with thankfulness. Why is it important that we stay thankful? You know why? When you stay thankful, when you bless the loaves and the fishes, even though at times they're not enough, it reminds us that this is not about us doing the work ourselves. This is God giving us what we need. If he gives you something and you give it to him and you allow him to bless it, it's always going to be more than enough. But sometimes we look at the lack. We look at all the things that we don't have. You know that God can't bless the lack unless you give it to him and allow him to bless it. But when you hold on to it and you look down on it all the time, well, God, you know, I wish my marriage was like this. God, I wish it was more like this. God, I wish it was more like that. Be grateful for what he's given you and then leave the rest up to him. Pray for him to do that. Does that make sense? That's what it means to be thankful. So let me challenge you. Don't stay where you are in your faith. Position yourself to grow and for the Spirit to produce fruit in your life. Now, when it comes to faith, it's not just about you, baby. We're called to help others to grow as well. This is not just an independent thing about just you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You have been saved for a purpose. Your purpose is not to be as squeaky clean as possible so you can get into heaven and God can go, look at that person. He saved you to send you. He did. We're called to help others to grow in their faith as well. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, support one another. Keep building each other up as you've been doing. Your faith was never meant to be lived independently. We were meant to to live interdependently. Romans 12.10 says this, live in true devotion to one another, loving each other as sisters and brothers. 
Be the first to honor one uh, others by putting them first. Don't slacken your faithfulness and hard work. Let your spirit be on fire, bubbling up and boiling over as you serve the Lord. So how can we practically grow together? Get to know each other. Don't stay in your pond. You know, I'm tired of hearing all the time as a pastor, but God, pastor, I don't know anybody. Get to know somebody. How many of you know somebody here? You're looking at somebody, you don't know their name, you don't know anything about them. Put your hand up if that's you. Go, go ask somebody his name. Hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Bill. What's your name? You're not looking for a spouse. You're just introducing yourself. Hey, come to opportunities to get to know people. How many of you know fellowship's important? Have you ever been in the dark night of the soul and you needed a brother or sister to sit right next to you? You know a sad, sad people sometimes is when they have nobody with them because they valued the wrong things. Find somebody. Get to know somebody. Serve together. Get into a group. Be part of service. Nothing, you know, mixes you together like when you serve together. Get connected. By the way, small groups are coming. Third, share. We share our faith and our lives with others. Your faith was never meant to be just about you. We were not created to be isolated. We were created to be interdependent. God saved you for a relationship with him and also for a relationship with others. Now, there's lots of times in our faith that we, we miss out on relational living with others. You know why? We're too self-focused. We're too busy. If you focus on what God's asking you to do and you, you lay your priorities in his hands, I promise you this, beloved, God will always take care of your needs. This is what Isaiah 58, 7 says. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and don't hide from relatives who need your help. Have you ever hidden from a relative? <laughs> don't pick up the phone! It's like the Jehovah Witness drill. Shut the lights off! Everybody on the carpet! Right? We've all done it, right? <laughs> look at verse 8. If you put God first, look at verse 8. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. God will take care of your needs if you put his needs first. Philippians 2.4 says this, let, us, uh, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Something activates in your faith when you make a choice to share your life with others. It just does. When you shift from, you know, what do I get out of this to what can I give, everything in your faith life starts to change. So when's the last time you prayed, Lord, what can I do for you? When's the last time you just laid on the ground and said, Lord, what would you have me do? Have you ever put it all in his hands and listened? Instead of going, Lord, what do I do? Lord, how can I? Lord, help me. I can't. I don't know. I don't know. Ask and listen. And see what he tells you. Don't be afraid. Step out. Give God a chance to do something amazing through you. Share your life with others. Take a risk. Let people in. And I know sometimes people stink. And I know they can hurt you. I know some of you are here and your hearts are wounded. I get it. My heart's been wounded too. That doesn't mean 
that you can try to live this life without loving and needing each other. You were designed to belong. You were. So open your heart again. Allow God to heal those wounds. Love again. There's one other piece to this. God shared his life with us, his son. God saved us, not so that we can just keep salvation to ourselves, not so that we can just have the light focus on us and our needs and our stuff. He saved us for a reason, to save others. Now, a few years ago, a movie came out called Hacksaw Ridge. Has anybody here ever seen Hacksaw Ridge? It's not like what you think it is. It's about a, a, a story of a... It's the true story of this guy named Desmond Dawes, Dawes, who was a private first class, who won the Congressional Medal of Honor despite not carrying a weapon into war. Dawes found himself right in the middle of the Battle of Okinawa, one of the most bloody battles in World War II. During the heaviest parts of the battle, with his company in full retreat and wounded soldiers everywhere, Dawes prays to the Lord, a man of faith, God, what would you have me do? And there, in that moment, he hears a voice crying out in the, in, the, in the smoky battlefield, Medic! He knew at that moment what to do. So Doss crawled toward the sound, toward the voice. He found the wounded soldier, that one wounded soldier. He cared for his wounds and then drug him to the edge of this ridge and lowered him down to safety. These are the words of, of, of Desmond Doss. He said this. He says, I was so scared. I prayed that God would give me the strength after I lowered him down to get just, to give me one more. All I wanted was one more. Dawes did get one more. For 12 hours, he would go save somebody, drag them to the ridge, lower them down, and he said the same prayer. Lord, give me one more. In 12 hours, he saved 75 soldiers. Just him. Not all American. Some Japanese as well. When asked why he did this, these are his words, he said this, I just felt like it was an obligation. If I didn't go, who would? The heart of the father, we see his heart in the story of the prodigal son. The father could have waited for the son to come all the way home, but he didn't. He ran to meet his son before he was even home. He lavished his son, the prodigal, with the finest of everything. He sought him. He found him. Why? He loved him. That's, what he pre that's the precedent that he sets for us. 2 Corinthians 5.19 puts it this way. For God was in Christ, reconciling people, or reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ and we plead, come back to God. Colossians 4 says this, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so they'll have the right response for everything. We live not under a bushel, but we shine. So here's my question for you this morning. I'm sorry we went a little bit late. How are you in the love department? Are you loving God and people extravagantly? Or have you lost your first love? Have you lost the why? Why we do this? How are you growing in your faith? Is your faith vibrant or is it stagnant? Is your faith just about you? 
Or do you bring others along with you? Are you sharing your life with others? I want you to take a minute. I just want you to talk to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the prayer team to join us. I'm going to ask Brother Lazarus to join us. God uses him in powerful ways. In the miraculous and the prophetic. If you need a word, if you need a touch, he's going to be here to pray with us. I want you to take a minute of reflection. Beloved, our church is moving full steam ahead. There's a place for you. There's a part for you. Step in. So I'm going to pray, and if you need prayer, you come and and join us. Heavenly Father, right now we just pray. We're grateful for all the things that you've done, Lord, in our region and all the things you're doing in our time. We thank you for the revivals, Lord, that are burning all over the world. Africa, India, Iran, every place, Lord. Father, we just pray in this moment that, God, you would continue your work here. And, Father, I pray that you would continue to warm our hearts and put us in perfect alignment with yours. We love you, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.